This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we chat with the 17th All-American in Bates men's cross-country history, senior captain Ned Farrington, who earned the honor last Saturday while competing as an individual at the NCAA Championships. Also, we talk with women's basketball senior captain Morgan Kennedy about the team's 3-0 start and introduce you to a pair of first-years who made a big splash in the pool on Saturday in their first collegiate meet. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Bates men's cross-country senior captain Ned Farrington competed as an individual Saturday at the NCAA Championships, held at Big Spring High School in Newville, Pennsylvania. He placed 31st out of 294 runners with an 8K time of 25 minutes, 2.3 seconds. With the top 40 runners earning All-America honors, Farrington became the 17th All-American in the men's team's history, and the first one since 2018. And Ned Farrington is our male Bobcat of the week. Well, Ned, I mean, I understand the course was not an easy one. Uh, 8K, a mixture of flat spaces and, and some tough hills. So just kind of take us through the race, how you prepared, first of all. Um, I don't know if you started in advance or and then how do you execute your uh, race plan? Yeah, I got a lot of information from um, my uh, teammate, uh, fellow senior roommate, Sam Cartsonis, who ran the course over the summer. And um, yeah, he he gave me the lowdown on it. And he said it was really, really difficult. It um gets really, really hilly in those wood sections. So he kind of gave me the advice that it was going to be a course where you have to get out fast and um, hold on. And then, you know, when I made my race strategy with coach Feldman, he was kind of saying the same thing. He said, let's get out um, at least at the, at the very back end in the top 60 of the race. And um, I think I actually ended up overdoing that a little bit and got out the first like, 400 or so and probably like top 10 in the race um but yeah overall i i do think that was the right decision because the it bottlenecked after like 300 meters so um kind of as i said last week with like the regional meet i like running with some space and um not risking um tripping or anything like that so um i think that was the right decision and um yeah as far as the race went i mean i put myself in that um top 40 spot and really there was not much else to it after that it was just holding on as much as I could and like believing in myself um I had coach Art and um coach Feldman uh basically just yelling out what place I was in the whole time and I just kept hearing like anything between like 31st and like 36th so I was definitely really nervous the entire time because I was right on the edge but yeah and came across the line and couldn't really have dreamed of any better outcome there. So yeah, super exciting. Was it weird to run without your teammates? I was wondering what that experience would be like, cause you're so used to having them there, right? Yeah, totally. I think the whole trip was, was a little bit weird from that perspective. I mean, luckily I had the women's team there to kind of talk to stay calm, but yeah, being like warming up, I actually warmed up with one of coach Feldman's old athletes, kind of both of us were there as individuals and we're like, you know, if we warm up alone, we might start freaking out a little bit. So it, it was weird not having the team there for that. And then being on the start line, doing my strides, not doing a huddle beforehand, you know, one, two, three baits. Um, <laughs> so definitely a different routine than normal. Um, but at the same time, like I said last week, like 
it does change your your race plan a little bit. You're a little bit more, um, I don't, yeah, like liberated from team implications. So that kind of allowed me to take on that aggressive strategy of, hey, if I fall back and do really poorly in this race, it's not going to harm anyone but myself. So <laughs> I was able to, yeah, take that aggressive race strategy. And then obviously the men's cross country team has a great tradition here at Bates. You're now the 17th All-American in program history. Have you heard from any of the alums since you achieved this? Yeah. So Alan Sumerall commented yeah. on my Strava the day before. He was like, you know, good luck. And I commented back to him. Um, well, you know, last time uh, Bates sent an individual, it, it went really well. And then <laughs> turns out I got the exact same like uh, place that he got when he went as an individual, which is really funny. He got 31st as well. Um, so yeah, he commented like 31st is not a bad place to be, but yeah, I got, I think Jack Kylie reached out. Uh, yeah. A bunch, bunch of people. It was, it was awesome to, yeah. Even talking to some of the alums at the meet who were like lived nearby and came out. It was really cool. I, I love like our, we have a really like rich history of really deep alumni network. And I always love talking to them, hearing what the team was like back then. Yeah, certainly. And then were there any, was the race uh loop? Did you go over multiple places at one um you know multiple times or was it not like that how did that go kind of it was really only like one big loop but there was a little bit of overlapping at the beginning and end but yeah that largely like i think mentally the race felt a little shorter because you weren't just going over the same area over and over again um it kind of made you a little bit unfamiliar with the areas you were running so you sort of zoned out and just focused on um the guys you were around rather than i think there was some good parts of running four loops like we did last week, but also like you, you knew exactly where you were, you knew exactly how much you had left. And um, in some ways, like in this race, like the ignorance of where you were on the course kind of helped me. Um, Cause I think I exerted myself a little bit too early, but yeah, held on to it. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, were there any particular parts that were more difficult than others? I mean, you mentioned the Hills and the woods, but like towards the finish, was did it get harder? Or were, were there any moments where you're like, Oh, I better, uh, I'm, I'm losing a little bit of ground. I got, I got to recover here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that whole race was just so painful. I can't yeah. even, like, it was the the most painful race of my life for sure. Um, but you know, for a good reason. Um, I, I think there was one point with like, um, I think the only time I, I, I started to maybe doubt a little bit that I could pull off the top 40 was somewhere with like a mile to go. There was just this little uphill and just this tiny little uphill after running all those hills was enough to make me really slow down. Like two guys caught me and for a second I was doubting it, but I kind of got this little like second wind and uh, was able to get back up with them. Um, but the, I mean, overall the whole thing was just absolutely grueling, um, but so worth it. <laughs> and I saw there was an award ceremony. So how was, what, what was that like? Yeah, that that's one I've um, had to sit through for the last two years. And uh, it was nice to finally be up there, not just watching it, um, standing next to guys that I've like totally looked up to in Division three. Um, you know, I, I even beat some guys that I, I just didn't think I would ever beat in, in D3 cross country. Um, so it was really cool. And I, I got to meet and talk to a lot of like the top guys in Division three. Um, which, you know, um, I guess I shouldn't be fanboying over them that hard, but <laughs> yeah, like it, it is still really cool when you've been watching them for, for like three or four years, um, at the top. And then all of a sudden you're, you're right next to them on a, on a stage getting a medal. Yeah. Excellent. You touched on this. The women's team was there obviously competing as a group. So after your race, they went, um, 
What was that like? Because I know the teams have been, you know, much closer since you've had one head coach the last few years. So what was it like to support them also? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the beauty of being in the first race is that you get to go absolutely crazy for the second one. You don't have to worry about um, wasting any energy. So, um, yeah, um, one of uh, our teammates, Daniel Casada, he came to the race because he lived kind of close by. And then um, one of our alums who graduated last year, Gabe Coffey, was with me as well. And we were just sprinting around the course, going screaming at the top of our lungs for them. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they – they got 29th in the country, which I think may have been a little disappointing for them, but like, it's, you know, if, if your disappointing day is 29th in the country, you're in a pretty good spot, especially after like a, a really, really tough long season with, um, I mean, I think they had even more ups and downs than we did. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they put it all out there with like a, with a squad of girls who, um, mostly had never run at the national championship before. And, like I remember my first national championship sophomore year and it was like, I did, I had no idea what to do. I was, I was freaking out and they finished way higher than I did that year. So it was, it was really cool to to see how they handled that pressure and did so well. Yeah. Excellent. Then we have the indoor track and field season, of course, coming up, uh, just actually have a meet in December uh, there in Boston, but uh, what are some goals? What are some thoughts you have about indoor track and field coming up in, you know, just less than a month now? Yeah, I mean, I'd obviously love to add to the the All American plaque. Um, I historically been stronger in track, so I think with such a good cross country performance, I I now kind of have the aerobic strength and kind of the foot speed of the fifteen hundred, um, which hopefully combines really well for a three k or five k. Um, but yeah, overall, I've been been talking to the other upperclassmen on the track team, and and really our biggest goal is to just um kind of create a create a culture on the team where everybody's just super supportive like in between event groups i think it's really easy to for me to um be really supportive and um you know cheer really hard for other guys in the 5k or whatever event i'm running but um sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult to get really tuned into like what people are doing in the 60 meter or like the hand, um the weight throw or whatever it be um so I think that's kind of our goal is to get really like tied in there as a team. And we've seen with um, other teams like Tufts and really good support crews can make your team be really, really successful at championship meets. And I mean, we finished third in outdoor New England's last year. And I think there's no reason we can't do that again, if not better in at indoor New England's and, you know, maybe even score some points at the national championship, which would be awesome. And, um, yeah, that, that's what it's looking like for us. Excellent. Any other thoughts you want to share about the NCAAs for cross country? We haven't got to talk about yet. Honestly, no, the only thing I want to share is I'm super, uh, super excited to move onto the track and not run any Hills for the next <laughs> six months. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Ned Farrington, the 17th all American in, in the history of Bates men's cross country. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Farrington may have been there as an individual, but the women's cross-country team was there as a group after having qualified as a team for the fifth consecutive season. The women's team placed 29th in the country, and head coach Danny Feldman joins the Bobcats this week to recap the entire NCAA championship experience for the Bobcats. We showed up the day before, and the first three quarters of a mile are flat, open uh, fields that have uh, a bit of turning going on. But the moment you get to the mile from the mile to basically the last 800 meters of both races, it was a hilly, turny, 
true cross-country course, which I think is great for a national championship, but you really need to be tough and focused in order to do well. And Ned did really well, getting 31st All-American, 17th men's cross-country All-American in Bates history. So, I mean, just watching him compete, what did you notice? There was no relenting. It was, I wasn't even holding my breath. I think his confidence in how he was racing gave me confidence because every time we could see him, he was never deviating or falling off of that lead group. And, you know, when he went into the actual woods, it's hard to get back there. So we were basically waiting for him to crest this super steep hill. And the moment the leader came through and then the next wave, you know, you're always crossing your fingers and hoping that nothing has gone bad. Look up only a couple seconds after the leader came through, you see the next couple of guys and then Ned was right there looking as calm as he did at the very start of the race and so uh, the adrenaline really started pumping and I wasn't even racing I was just super excited for him to finish strong were you counting like how many people were ahead just to make sure he was in the top 40 (laughs) every single time I saw him after the mile that was definitely something that I was doing Excellent. And then, um, you know, the women's team, they were led by a first year, Leah White, who I know had a big race at the very start of the year at the class wave races and has seemed like she's been, uh, you know, a really solid performer for you as a rookie. What have you seen from her maybe specifically? I mean, she's literally gotten better every single race, which is not typically the path that most first years take simply because their first year in college, it's so new, it's so overwhelming that usually there's a lot of petering out that happens simply because they're not adapting yet to the training program as well as the culture of the college. But uh, I mean, she was one second behind Chrissy at regionals. And then the fact that she was the top runner was spectacular. Um, But I also think what the women did this past weekend was, was awesome. And I told them five women that ran at nationals, that was their first time running at nationals. And then those same five women had their first ever experience at regionals, which is an overwhelming experience. But then the bigger picture too is the the unfortunate tragedy that happened right before NESCACs was an overwhelming event and we didn't uh, run well, understandably. There was no expectations to, but the women were especially hit hard by it so that that added a layer of pressure to do well at the regional meet because we weren't going to win the region with MIT being there Um, and so our women have been carrying a little bit extra of of expectations and stress simply because of situations that are out of our control for weeks now and the fact that they can make it there Aaron is to me success. You took the words out of my mouth. Just being there, just making it to nationals was a huge victory, clearly. Yeah, I mean, there are so many variables that play out on the day of a national meet. Everybody is scared to death, but they had great composure. And I I wrote an email to the team uh, this morning where our one through five spread, again, was so, so little. It was 20 seconds between our first and fifth runner. And... um. It's hard to do well in your very first time at the highest level. And I thought that they did exceptionally well, given the circumstances. Certainly. And then how does this kind of carry over, you hope, into track and field season in terms of the distance runners? 
Yeah, we're we're gonna have eight men and eight women continually train for the next two weeks, albeit on their own because they're home for Thanksgiving break. And then they're going to come back and run at the BU uh, Sharon Collier meet. And again, the purpose of that is we're taking the fitness that they have built from cross country and trying to translate it into a fast time. And a lot of the kids I think are really excited because we did a mild time trial for the individuals on the team that were not running at regionals. And on the men's side, uh, Ross Tejeda ran 420 in the mile and on the women's side, uh, Jen Casino ran, I think it was 521. And so people are realizing that you don't have to do brutally hard workouts to run fast track times. And so I think they're trying to pop off maybe a national level time or a division three New England qualifier. But I think it also will just really set the tone. And then after that, all of those kids will get two weeks off to, to just recover from cross country as well as summer training. Perfect. Well, I guess any other thoughts you want to share about NCAAs, anything, you know, that stood out to you that we haven't got to talk about yet. I'll say we had a lot of alums contacting us via email or they showed up just to support the men and the women. And I mean, what Ned did to set the bar for, everybody i think there was just a level like everybody felt like they were a part of that of what he did and to kind of just support i'm getting like emotional thinking about it just because it was so cool to see that i think that just speaks to the character of the kids we have at bates and that everybody is so supportive of one another that like everybody was celebrating what the men and what ned and the women did and i'm just proud to be a part of it all right, Danny Feldman, head coach of the cross-country program. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. The women's basketball team rolled to a pair of wins in Plattsburgh, New York over the weekend, beating Plattsburgh State 59-49 and defeating SUNY Potsdam 58-35, improving to 3-0 on the season and handing both teams their first losses of the year. The Bobcats are 3-0, and they've held each of their first three opponents to fewer than 50 points, a combination the program has not achieved since 1969-1970 season. Senior Captain Morgan Candy had a huge weekend, pouring in 16 points on Friday and 22 points on Saturday. Her 22 points and 11 rebounds against SUNY Potsdam gave Kennedy her first career double-double, and she is our female Bobcat of the week. You and Davina are the senior captains this year, so tell me a little bit about the experience so far of being, you know, one of the team leaders this season. It's been really good, same with, like, it's really good working with Davina and, and as well as Allison, our other senior, and A-Rose, just, um, I think our upperclassmen leadership's really important, and I think we've been doing a really good job so far. Allison mentioned that, you know, obviously you and Davina, as part of that class of 2024, your first year, there really wasn't a season. And so looking back on that, how did you kind of adjust to college coming in at such a weird time? Yeah, it was definitely weird, but I took that. I tried to take the freshman year as just an opportunity, as like a toe dip into like the college experience and stuff. And honestly, I think for our class, that's been a really big thing throughout our four years is just being really grateful to play basketball all the time. And so I think that's been something that's been carrying us always ever since that year. So the team is 3-0, coming off an undefeated weekend there um, in upstate New York. Take us through those two games from your perspective. How'd they go? I thought they went really well. It's really nice to um, see all of the hard work we've been putting on like in, throughout the season and the offseason like, come together. And um, definitely with our like new offenses and defenses and stuff, it's, it's been like a work in progress, and it was really nice to like see it come together this weekend. 
Yeah, you mentioned the new offense because obviously, you know, you graduated uh, some key players, including, you know, Megan Graff, who was an All-American here. And so the offense is very different. Um, take us through how you've adjusted and how the teammates have adjusted so far. It's definitely been an adjustment, but I think we've done really well so far. Um, it's nice because everybody gets a chance and everybody um, is really like key in all of our um, movements and stuff and just giving us, giving one thing that we always work on is just empowering each other and just empowering each other. Like when you have the ball, be strong with it. And yeah, and I think our offense works really well with everybody that we have so far. So it's been really nice. In the second game there, you had a double-double. I think it's your first career double-double. So all those rebounds, how are you grabbing all those boards? Well, so a big part of our like identity as a team always through the four years being here has been our rebounding. And like you said, we did graduate some people who really like they got a lot of rebounds for us. So that's been something that's been really key is just making sure that we know rebounding is important. That's what's given us a lot of success in the past. So just finding ways to keep on doing that. And so I know your twin sister, Allison, obviously has battled some injuries during her time, but getting a lot of playing time so far this year as a fellow senior. So what's it like been playing with her? It's awesome. Me and her play really well together. It's, I'm just really grateful to be able to play with her, and it's really fun, and it's really nice like playing with. We've been teammates for our whole lives, so it's, I know what she's doing. She knows what I'm doing, and it's just really nice to work off of that all the time. And then as a senior, what's it like seeing these first years come in and making an immediate impact so far? Oh, it's awesome. They seamlessly just come in, play their roles, and they – definitely like there's just there's never been a a practice when it's not competitive there's whatever teams we have going on in practice it's always competitive the freshmen they come in and they just have so much confidence and that's so key for us and that's something that not only like helps us in the games but also helps everybody get better in practice so I'm really grateful for that you all are really pushing the pace this year what's it like playing such up-tempo style um it's awesome. We definitely like have the team for it. We have yeah. the numbers for it. We're super prepared and I just I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Yeah, 3-0 start. You got a game here this Tuesday against USM and then um, some games after Thanksgiving. What are kind of the next steps for the team as you continue to prepare for, you know, NESCAC play coming up in January? Mm-hmm. Definitely just focusing on like what we do well and keep doing those things as well as like things we need to work on, like sharpening them up in practice. We keep working on our um, offenses and uh, defenses, and they're looking really well. So, yeah, just keeping on with that. All right, Morgan, what are your thoughts you want to share on this past weekend we haven't got to talk about yet? Not really. I'm just really proud of my team, and I just think we're doing really well, and I'm excited for the rest of the season. All right, Morgan Kennedy, Female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The swimming and diving teams swept Wesleyan in their first dual meet of the year Saturday at Tarbell Pool. A lot of Bobcats had standout performances, including senior captain Grace Wenger, who was named the NESCAC Performer of the Week for her efforts, which included two individual and two relay wins. But on this week's episode of the Bobcast, we'll introduce you to a pair of first years who made an immediate impact. On the women's team, rookie Sarah Palmer debuted by winning the 100-yard breaststroke in 1 minute 6.13 seconds, good for 6th on the all-time performance list at Bates. And she won the 200-yard breaststroke in 2 minutes, 25.95 seconds, the 10th fastest time in Bates history. She also helped the Bobcats win the 200-yard medley relay in an impressive first meet for the former Bates swim camper. Well, Sarah, your first collegiate meet, a big success there Saturday against Wesleyan. Um, you're from Brunswick. Mm-hmm. You're from right down the road. So take us through how you decided Bates was the place for you for college. I knew I didn't want to go too far away from home just because I love Maine. It's so pretty here. And... I like having the four seasons and I've always knew about bait swim. They have bait swim and dive camp that I used to do as a kid. And um, I know a lot of people 
on the swim team have also done that camp as well. And so um, PC and Vanessa, the old assistant, reached out to me and I had an overnight with the team and I've, I loved it. I love the team. I like the environment. Everyone's just so friendly and we all support each other. So that's kind of how I decided to come here. Well, yeah, the bait swim camp. I know a lot of uh, swimmers work those camps. And so are you excited? Yeah, yeah. Are you excited to do that now as a student after having been there as a camper? Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. I hope that I can do that. I, I love teaching lessons. We did that this um, fall, teaching lessons to the community, and it's so much fun. How did you first get involved in competitive swimming? Um, so I started competitive swimming when I was around eight years old because my older sister did it, and I wanted to be like her. And so I wasn't that good. Um, I just kind of did it just to stay in shape until I was about like, uh, junior in high school, I kind of realized that I wanted to, you know, get good at it and, you know, see where, like how I could progress as a swimmer. And so I started, as I said, I started taking it seriously as I was a junior in high school. And then, yeah, kind of it. So your first collegiate meet, it starts with a relay, right? Mm -hmm. On the A relay team. It's, yes. What were your thoughts, you know, leading into that? And what were your thoughts on how it went? Obviously you won. <laughs> yeah, I was really nervous. I didn't want to let anyone down because I was on a relay with like all upperclassmen. Um, and I just wanted to like, I wanted to impress them and, you know, help the team out. That was just my big goal for this meet was just to help like my swim team out like as much as I could. And so I was nervous diving in, but once I finished and I saw my time, I was really happy with that. And you won the 100 yard breaststroke and you won the 200 yard mm -hmm. breaststroke. Both those times are all good for top 10 all time at Bates. And so how cool is that for you yeah. in your first meet? Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, I obviously wasn't expecting that. Um, definitely was not expecting to go that fast, but um, I had a really good warm up. I have never warmed up the way that we did. We did like started, we got there at eight in the morning. We did a pre warm up and PC gave us some good like drills to do. And I've never done that and it helped out a lot. So that really, um, helped my times is the breaststroke your favorite stroke is it all has that always been your best yeah breaststroke's my favorite i like to say i'm a freestyler but i'm not at all i'm <laughs> just strict breaststroke um and i that's the stroke obviously i work the hardest at at practice so yeah that's my favorite the 100 breaststroke i say is my favorite but the 50 breasts is like up there being a sprinter have you ever tried distance swimming or has sprinting been what your thing your whole time um, yeah, sprinting's been my thing the whole time. At my old club team, we never really did like distance or sprint. It was kind of we all just swam together. So um, I've never really tried distance, but like every time we do a long setup practice after like 20 minutes, I'm I'm dead. So definitely, definitely distance is not for me. What has the collegiate swimming experience been like so far for you compared to club swimming or high school? Oh my God, it's so awesome. It's like First of all, the swim meet went by so quickly. It was like six, seven hours and it felt like 20 minutes. You know, usually you're on the pool deck and you're hot and you're tired and you, you're like, when's my next event? But this went by so smoothly and like, it was so fun cheering with my team on the side. Um, and everyone was so positive and um, it was just, it was a really fun experience. And I enjoyed, you know, my first swim meet for um, swimming for baits. Any other thoughts on maybe some goals you have this year kind of going forward in your first year of collegiate swimming? Yeah, my goals, um, I just want to obviously like help the, the team as much as I can. I want to go faster in the relay so our relay can, you know, win or the highest we can get. Um, I obviously want to get top eight on my 100 breasts and potentially my 200 breaststroke. All my goals are just, you know, to get faster and just to help the team out. On the men's side, 
First year, John Weigel anchored the victorious 200-yard medley relay to start the meet. Then he went on to win the 200-yard freestyle, the 100-yard freestyle, and the 200-yard IM. A terrific showing for the talented rookie from the Midwest. Well, John, coming to us from Iowa City out there in the Midwest, uh, tell me a little bit about how Bates got on your radar there for college coming from Iowa City there. Initially, it was through my brother who goes to Dartmouth. He's got a friend on their swim team, and his friend's older brother graduated from here, Andrew Hall. Mm -hmm. And so that was the initial connection. Gotcha. And, and so um, have you been, had you been to Maine before? What was the visit like? No, I've, I've never been to Maine before, so I was curious to you know head out to this part of the state and i'd i'd only been to like new york once or twice you know i'd never been to the uh, east uh, northeast before a whole lot so i mean it was it was new and exciting and i was really i mean i was curious about like what the team would be like and obviously the weather too was a little bit on my mind but i i knew it was kind of similar to in Iowa City. When did you first start swimming competitively, kind of growing up? When do you when do you really get into the sport? I started swimming competitively at like eight, seven or eight, but uh practiced way before then. And then I never really got into the sport until my junior year of high school, maybe, uh, right after COVID. And then I just kind of decided that, you know, this was something that I'd have bef before the pandemic and it's something I had throughout it and afterwards. So it was something I, I could put my uh, attention to and improve it. And then this past Saturday was your first collegiate meet, and uh, it was a great one for both the men's and the women's team. I know you had a lot of success, and I believe you started off in a relay, right? So what was that like going in, preparing for that first race? The two medley relay is a great race. I love sprinting it. Anchoring it is like a pleasure. It's an honor. And for my first collegiate meet, I was really, I was nervous, but uh, I was excited to just, see what I could do. You know, it wasn't anything spectacular, but yeah, I feel like it was a good race. You know, we won it. And I mean, I went on and had a good meet. Two of the people in the, in the relay with you are sophomores. The other one was a first year. Uh, so what's this uh, younger group like kind of coming in with this class? Oh, all the guys are really cool. Uh, we're all, I feel like we're on the same page and we're just ready to get after the year and just see what we can all lay down. Everyone's super excited to just be swimming for baits and have a good freshman year. Now you're mostly a freestyler, but I did see you also did IM. So um, how do you balance uh, practicing those strokes? Maybe like two or three times a week uh, in practice. I will, you know, practice my weaker strokes and just kind of improve on that. Because, you know, all the all the strokes in swimming are connected in a way. It's like when you notice you have a certain catch and backstroke, you can kind of apply it to freestyle. And they say you sprint butterfly to practice for sprint free. So it's all, it's all related. And I feel like having a well-rounded, just overall generally good stroke is in the long run going to improve my sprint freestyle. So I'm, I'm kind of practicing for everything. Excellent. And then uh, how did a collegiate meet compare to what you experienced, you know, in club and in high school? You know, the, the, it's very similar in ways and it's, it's also quite different, you know, it's swimming for, you know, base on, on like a collegiate level, just, it's such a greater like honor. I mean, that feels cliche to say, but it's just like to be here, you know, doing this for the team and something like greater than yourself. Because in, in high school, you know, it's, it's more for yourself. You're trying to get somewhere else. But now that you're here, you got your boys at your back and you can just kind of, you know what you're doing. You can just get after it. I know the training sessions here can be uh, strenuous. So how have you adjusted to maybe the collegiate level of uh, training you have to go through? It is an adjustment. 
uh, it's something to adapt to. I just be going into it, you know, uh, the mindset to just kind of do the best that I can do. You know, I can't really control anyone else, but I can train harder than like people on, on their teams. You know, I, so like the time I get in the pool is the time I have to work in and like get it in and, uh, you know, swim the yardage with the best intention I can. But it, I mean, even if it comes apart at the end of practice, I know like, the first half, I, I really tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I'm, I'm curious about, you know, looking forward to this uh, future um, part of this season. What are some goals you have in mind for your first year here at Bates in terms of being in the pool and what, what you want to accomplish kind of as a rookie here? Well, with the success that the freshman team had last year, I think we can kind of do something similar. Um, if we can get like relays to NCAAs and like that would be that would be fantastic. That would be an amazing freshman year. And if we can perform well at NESCACs and just like, you know, carry on this momentum, I feel like there's been started. And I feel like with the next freshman year, then like we're in a great place to just do something. I don't know, but we can, we can accomplish a lot. I think if we really all just we're on the same page and we all go in with the same intention. Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast, and congrats again on a terrific uh, first collegiate meet there against Wesleyan on Saturday. Thank you. I appreciate it. The squash teams made their season debut over the weekend in Philadelphia. While the men's team dropped a pair of matches, the number 18 nationally ranked women's squash team prevailed 5-4 to four in a thriller over number 25 Franklin Marshall on Saturday before falling to number 15 Georgetown on Sunday. Senior captain Andy Martigan won a five-gamer at the number one position in her first match of the season, and she joins the Bobcast this week to give us a look at where the women's team stands heading towards a new December training trip. Well, Andy, first of all, I want to ask now, you're a senior captain. What's it like having that responsibility, that leadership role this year on the squash team? I feel like personally, it's a big switch for me because even though I was kind of leading the team by playing in the number one position, I wasn't actually like doing all the duties of a captain, motivating people, um, planning workouts during preseason giving them the um, before like pre-match um, speeches and all that stuff. So we only had two matches so far, but it's been great. I'm loving it. Well, your two matches for you personally, they were both five gamers. So what's that like? <laughs> a bad luck yeah. uh, against Franklin and Marshall. <laughs> Definitely. I wasn't planning on uh, having two five gamers because it's so physically exhausting, but I'm happy I was able to keep going through both of them which just makes me think I'm physically prepared um the first one obviously super happy that I got to uh get the win <laughs> and then the second one it was just so close I think at that point it was just a 50 50 chance it was a great opponent to play with and yeah I'm curious because that first match I'm looking at the the game by game you won the third game 11 to 1 to go up two to one. So at that point, you're thinking, oh, I got this. And then all of a sudden she comes back and forces the fifth game. The swings <laughs> of squash are wild to me. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, that one was especially weird because, yeah, like as you said, the scores is like I win 11-3 or something and then she beats me 11-3, 11-2, something like that. So that like I know that was just me not sticking to the strategy. I just kind of went in uh, thinking like, oh, I got this. Like, it'll be fine. And then obviously it wasn't. Um, but I'm glad I was able to stick to the strategy in the fifth one and just win with like a bunch of advantage. <laughs> but yeah. 
Certainly. And then um, we touched on, you know, your leadership role this year. There are a lot of first years on the team and they're all playing fairly high in the lineup. Um, and yeah. so what's it like to see, you know, these first years have their first collegiate matches this past weekend? I'm super proud of them because I think it's especially hard for them. Like, obviously, they've been playing junior squash and whatsoever, but some of them are international students, so they've never played any actual college matches or anything like that in the U.S., and I mean, they did great. Um, I never had a freshman year experience like that. I was a sophomore when I was when it was like my first college match. So I'm super proud of them that they got to perform. Obviously, they were nervous and all these things. But I think overall, they did great. So it'll keep going up from that. Excellent. Well, the Franklin Marshall match, I want to go back to that again, because it was a 5-4 win overall. Mm -hmm. Did it come down to your match or was it someone else? It was, no, when I finished, we were up, I think, 4-2 or 4-3 or something like that. Okay. Um, And I was the first one to play, so I went in just thinking, like, I mean, obviously I have to win, right? But I there was nothing, like, like no pressure like that just yet. And then the match next to my court, which was Tia's match, mm. um, she was the, to be, like, the fifth game to just, like, secure the game, right? And I'm not sure if she knew, but I'm I'm so happy she got the win. <laughs> yeah, she got a three-one win there uh, in that yeah. one. So that was awesome to see. Um, yeah, she played great. And then, so you know, kind of looking forward, you can get that training match coming up, and then after that, a little bit of a break into January. But January, Ryan was talking about how it's grueling, right? So how are you preparing all the, the yeah. youngsters and yourself for for January coming up? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a break because I think generally, <laughs> especially, it's like our busiest time of the year. Yeah. Just because we have the training trip to Florida, mm. we come back and we have basically all weekend, we have at the very least one game, one game per week. Yeah. But it'll usually be like two or three per week. Um, and then after that, yes, at the end of the month, I think it slows down a little bit as we prepare for NASCAX and Nationals. Okay, so training trip to Florida for squash, is that new this year or have you done it before? Yeah, no, it's new. I'm super excited because um, Arikoja has been talking about doing a training trip for so long. And I mean, I'm so happy that I got to still be um, in the team while this happens because I know all of the past seniors are super jealous that only till now, like he's organizing the trip. Um, but I think it's going to be great because we always we always come back early from break to for that training week um before matches start like the first week of january um so obviously being in west palm beach just training not in the cold um no snow it'll be awesome um it'll be a lot of team bonding and i think we're gonna have a lot of fun is there gonna be some outdoor training or is it gonna be all indoors like you would for normal sports? i think it's gonna be a mix because yeah. there's a bunch of there's like a lot of workouts that you can do with the beach mm. um so just like ghosting, um, sprints and like stuff like that. So I'm sure he's going to take us like maybe on runs as well. Um, there's a whole schedule. So I think it, yeah, it's definitely going to be a mix. Excellent. So that's exciting. So yeah. how do you think that might help, you know, moving forward sort of it, it being new this year? What do you hope to team gains out of it kind of? I, I think it's going to have a great impact yeah. because especially for the freshmen, because our team is half freshmen. Yeah. Um, they're not going to go through like that rough week of January. It's, it's always hard. Like we come back, you know, like the day after new year's, like having to leave the family, friends, whatever, and just come back to train. So that 
happening in Miami. I think it's just going to make it more fun, more enjoyable, and everyone's looking forward to it, including myself. So it'll definitely be great for everyone. Excellent. Well, Andy, any other thoughts you wanted to share about the first weekend of the season there for the women's squash team there in Philadelphia? Um, I'm super proud of everyone. It was a really fun weekend. It was a long trip. So I think we pulled through. Um, obviously, Georgetown was not the outcome that we were expecting. But, you know, as our coach said, we are not supposed to be playing our best squash just yet because it's our first weekend of matches. So everyone, you always learn more from the matches that you lose. So everyone, including myself, is going to just um, take that and put into practice, know what areas of our game we need to work on. So I think it's going to, it's, yeah, it's great for everyone. And I'm happy that they got to have their first match um, away because the season, this season is going to be mostly away. So they have to make sure that they know what the drill is when we don't play at home, which is quite like very different. Well, the home opener is coming up there December 2nd against Trinity at the Bates Squash Center. Then another home match yeah. January 9th against William Smith for the number 18 nationally ranked Bates Women's Squash Team. Senior Captain Andy Martigan. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. The football team season did not end the way the Bobcats would have liked, with Bates falling 43-0 to Williams on Saturday at Garceline Field. The Bobcats were in the mix in most of their games this year, but could not secure a victory. Head coach Matt Coyne joins the show to wrap up the year for Bates football. Well, coach, obviously, you know, not the way the team won to end the season there against Williams. But, uh, I mean, when you look back on this year, you know, you played so many first years, had a lot of injuries. What was your message, I guess, to the team about what they can take from this season moving forward? Oh, I think you just have to sort of embrace it um, and understand that this is the the worst it's going to be right now. I mean, we are uh, really focused on, you know, A, being very appreciative of what the seniors have done in the program for us. It really helped us in ways that might not have been visible this year. But as they move on, being successful in their lives, like they'll be part of the foundation of what we're going to build and really attacking this offseason in a way we haven't before. You know, I think we still have to you know, develop our guys. We have to recruit and develop again um, and continue to build the program the right way. Yeah, for the younger players, I mean, is the message sort of, you know, use the season to be, you know, really hungry for improvement kind of going forward? Because I, I feel like there's two ways someone could react to a year like this, right? They could be really hungry for going forward or they could be, you know, kind of, you know, take, take a hit to their confidence. How do you make sure it's the former, not the latter? I think you build that in the weight room. I mean, yeah. that's the biggest thing. I mean, the confidence aspect is, is what we were missing. Um, and it's very hard to tell somebody to be confident, right. um, especially when they're, you know, going out there and, and uh, you know, playing against guys that have a lot of experience and some really good teams in our league. And, you know, I think for us, the biggest thing is we have to lock into, you know, how we attack this off season, how we build the confidence through development in the weight room, you know, and, and on the field and spring ball and, you know, continue just to, to take it day by day. And then, you know, I mean, it's can only go up from here. You know, that's really the message. And, but you got to put the work in to earn it. And we're at, we're, you know, at that point in the stage of building a program right now. And obviously there are some, some promising pieces. We saw Sergio Beltran actually finish with the third most catches in one season in Bates football history this year. So, you know, a guy like that, he's a real uh, good example of uh, the big improvement because he was a sophomore this year, right? Yes. You know, Sergio did a great job and he has still a ton of developing to do is his first whole first real season as a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I mean, he transitioned to it last year a bit, but, um, he has ability and he understands he has a lot of developing to do, but he has, uh, you know, great talent. Um, he's a competitor, works really hard. 
Um, and I think there's a hand, there's a bunch of guys across the board that really gained invaluable experience at their position um, against really good opponents. Um, and over time, that game speed is going to slow down and, and the confidence level will rise. And then, you know, you will start to expect to make the plays that you didn't even think you could make before. Now, when it comes to leadership, two of your four captains this year were juniors, uh, Colton Bosley and Matt Juno. And so what's kind of going to be their role kind of going in junior into senior year in terms of their leadership for some of the young players? Yeah, I think it's still developing, you know, sort of that family environment. I think that's something that we really have to enhance. Um, I think it's a really difficult process to, you know, influx a program with so many young individuals, with so many, you know, guys that, um, you know, really haven't seen a, a – a class size that large and trying to integrate and really form that bond is very difficult to do in a two week period, um, two to three week preseason period. So I think for us, the biggest thing for our leaders, you know, not only Juno and Colton, um, but a lot of guys for, through all three classes are going to be expected to be leaders moving forward. Now, um, you know, I think it's just more getting to know one another on a um, familial level um, and really, you know, buying in to earn the respect of each other and, and really be able to motivate and push each other so that we can accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish. I'm curious, as someone who played in the NESCAC yourself, um, the conference overall, how does it compare to when you were playing? Is it is it different? Have you seen the skill level change? What have you noticed, kind of noticed from the conference overall? Yeah, I think the conference is extremely deep right now. I mean, it's very talented. Um, I think it's not – I think it's a, a huge contrast to when I played just because there was the roster limit in place. So you had every team that was at 75 and there wasn't um, teams that are carrying hundred to 110. Um, but also with, you know, the COVID years and things like that, you see a very experienced league. And I think this is one of the best top to bottom nest tacks that I've seen, you know, as a player or as a coach in a while. Um, and that doesn't mean that it's going to just dissipate. I think it's going to continue to be, I think it's a great conference. We play in great competition um, with great coaches. And I think, you know, we have our work cut out for us, but we're up for that challenge. What does the offseason look like from your perspective as, um, you know, the head coach? What are some of the things you are doing in the offseason, you know, to give people an idea of kind of a behind the scenes, if you will, I guess? Yeah, so I think for the next, you know, two months, we're we're, we're trying to crank it at the, the recruiting. Um, we're trying to, to get the best possible class um, to add to our roster um, while also starting our offseason workout programs. Um, our guys will take some time off here just to help, just to heal up. I mean, as you said, I think we had almost close to 30 injuries going into the last week. Um, you know, some are going to be, they need a week or two off. Some are going to need a couple months. Um, so it's just figuring out um, sort of each individual's plan for the off season um, while you were recruiting. And then obviously, you know, for myself and staff is to also take some time just to decompress um, and, you know, sort of get a new frame of mind, you know, for 15 weeks, we've been just locked in um, and, you know, it wasn't the easiest 15 weeks. So we need to, you know, digest it. Uh, separate ourselves, come back, and then, you know, really work recruiting, off-season programming, um, and then obviously huge, uh, huge, you know, push into our, you know, academics and community service in the spring just with some more free time. Um, you know, that's the focus. And then obviously as we get closer to the spring, we're going to have our, our first spring season, you know, right. with 10 businesses and, um, you know, six other opportunities to watch film and, and get better that way. But our guys that went through it last year understand how vigorous our offseason program is um, and how, you know, it, it, it's, it really helped transform them. And that's really going to be the focus. It's hey, getting healthy, getting our minds and bodies healthy to be able to come back and attack the offseason workouts. 
Great. And any, any other thoughts you wanted to share on the season we haven't got to talk about yet to kind of wrap things up? No, I think just, you know, obviously it didn't play out the way we wanted in wins and losses. And, you know, that's uh, for us, that's going to be a tough hit as we separate right now. Um, but obviously appreciate all the support from everybody on the campus administration. You guys, um, you know, did a great job for us. Uh, my coaches and the players, I appreciate everything they did. And obviously it's our job now and it starts with myself to get better, um, figure out ways to, to improve and then implement those into action with our team. And, and we will, we will get better. All right, Coach Matt Coyne, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron. The men's basketball team fell in a pair of games at the Hampton Inn Holiday Classic, hosted by Western New England University over the weekend. Sophomore Peter Sy Hodges impressed in both contests, including 22 points on Sunday against Cortland, earning a spot on the all-tournament team. The Bobcats are back in action Tuesday night as they are Game 2 of a doubleheader at Alumni Gym, with the women's basketball team taking on Southern Maine to get things started at 5.30 and the men following shortly after. It's a whole lot of basketball this week, with both teams playing again this Sunday and next Tuesday. Stick with GoBaitsBobcats.com for all the latest Bates Athletics news, and we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast.